everybody and welcome to Break Legs. It is delightful to see you today. You may have noticed I took another episode off. Who cares? What we have in store today, and by way I mean me, um, what I have in store for you is I've prepared what I'm going to call the Break Legs Variety Show. This is an idea I stole from Drew Gooden, the YouTuber. Basically, I'm going to do a couple little topics today that weren't big enough to warrant episodes on their own. The topics, if you would like to skip around, I'm going to talk about the Tonys briefly. I don't think it's going to take that long. Then I'm going to talk about (laughs) Camila Cabello Cinderella. Then I am going to do a fun little activity, which I stole from another YouTuber, um, Jenny Nicholson, who is where I steal all of my best ideas from. Um, I made, I'm, I've made a bingo card for the Dear Evan Hansen film that I'm going to talk about. Then I might talk about Annette, depending on time. I'll put timestamps in the description if you're interested in some but not all of the episode. Feel free to consult. So the first topic on the list is Zetonis. What accent was that? I just want to say the tone this is old news by the way but I haven't talked about it on the podcast yet so whatever the Tonys this year are airing on Paramount Plus and I'm angry about it I think it is frustrating given generally how inaccessible Broadway theater is it's frustrating that the one most accessible place to experience it which was the Tonys on TV because I mean obviously not everyone has TV but if you live in America you are more likely to have a television station which will broadcast the Tonys than you are to be able to go to a Broadway show. So it annoys me that they're continuing to close doors to people. The other thing is I just recorded myself talking about the lightning thief for like several minutes and then decided I don't want to keep it because it's first of all it makes me angry and second of all I feel like it's old news. Um, which because it is old news. Anyway, so Minoy they're on Paramount Plus. We've all we all know about the lighting thief situation. I just want to make a public statement. I I put it on Twitter, but I just want to say, I'm not like an Aaron Tveit stan, nor am I like an Aaron Tveit hater. I don't even I don't really know that much about him, and I haven't really seen him in much. I know he's done a lot. I just haven't seen a lot of it. But I want him to lose this Tony so bad, and I maybe that makes me a bad person, but. If you don't know, Aaron Tveit is the only nominee for best actor, best lead actor in a musical. And I think it would be so, because he can still lose if he doesn't receive 60% of the vote. Because I guess people are allowed to abstain. I think it would be so funny if he didn't get this Tony. And I, I think he's never gotten a Tony before and it's kind of like a Leonardo DiCaprio situation. And I'm... I don't wish bad things upon him, but I want him to lose it. I want him to not get this Tony so desperately. <laughs> it would be so funny. Anything else about the Tonys? Um, I'm like weirdly not invested in the Tonys this year because I, I think, <laughs> I think the only thing on the Tonys, like the only thing from the season that was eligible for the Tonys that I have seen was Lightning Thief, and it's the one that didn't get nominated for anything. So, um, I'm probably not gonna make a Tonys episode. I might, I don't know. So anyway, I don't, I don't really have feelings about it. That's, those are the end. Of, you've heard all my feelings. Anyway, the next topic is Cinderella. <laughs> I did watch this film. I didn't even hate watch it. I watched it because James Acaster was in it, so I felt like legally and emotionally required to see it. I think he was great in it. But I watched this film. I watched this film with my mom, who gave it a 6 out of 10 when we discussed it. I give it a 4 out of 10. I do think that Adina ate. I'm not really an Adina stan, but I do think she ate it up. I also think the prince kind of, he kind of like, he kind of, I don't know. Somebody to love was good. That's what I'll say. I think a lot of the rest of the time he didn't have 
super interesting stuff to do. Anyway, this is not an acting review because I don't care. The reason I'm bringing up Cinderella is I think that it's actually like a really like a weirdly kind of a really interesting study in jukebox musicals and the way they work because it's unique in that it has enough non-original songs in it to be called a jukebox musical. However, it also has several original songs in it, like sprinkled in. It's very interesting because there are two to three completely different genres of music represented in it, which made it extremely disorienting to watch. I had never before thought about the fact that jukebox musicals are usually have a very clear defined space that their music occupies like there's a lot of jukebox musicals that are based off of the music from one group or artist or if you don't have that usually the other types of jukebox musicals i've seen have at least like a defined space like rock of ages has like a specific era of time that all of its songs occupy that's very intentional cinderella does not do that it just flip-flops because there's these two weird camps where like i could see They're not exactly the same genre, but I could understand having Material Girl and Somebody to Love in the same musical. They're not like the same exact genre, but they occupy a similar space, especially given that they're decently in the past they can mesh more easily and I could also understand the original song Million to One and Perfect by Ed Sheeran being in the same musical because they're like the same style of pop music. I cannot understand those four songs being in the same musical together. And it's super weird because like you almost think they're, they might be doing something where like Cinderella sings in a different style of music than everyone else in the kingdom because she's built different or something. But I don't think that's the case because the town crier is singing like hip-hop i sounded really white when i said hip-hop um but like he's singing he's also singing in a very modern style of music it's different from hers but it's also different from what everyone else is singing i don't think it was an artistic choice i would sooner believe that it was motivated by that being the style of music that camille cabello usually sings in or that people are used to hearing her in i just think it turned out really weird and it makes it really disharm disharmo is it disharmonious or is it disharmonious it makes it not uh mesh to with itself anyway i just think it's interesting it feels like it was put together by someone who didn't care if the soundtrack was like any sort of unified thing because like it's not as if a, a good musical can't have multiple genres of music represented within itself i think hamilton is a very easy example of that being done well where you wouldn't say that like helpless or burn are like the same genre as i don't know my shot but in hamilton it works and i don't know i couldn't tell the exact reason why it works it probably helped that they were all coming from the same person like the same writing team that they were written very intentionally that they intentionally represent different characters differently without it being like a weird random thing I don't know with Cinderella it just ends up being like this perfect example of the fundamental struggle of jukebox musicals to force music to fit into places that it wasn't intended to fit when it was written and it makes it worse for itself it's like and it just makes it worse for itself and I can I can respect it because I do think 
in individual scenes, I don't remember ever being like, this song doesn't fit here and it's bad. But the problem is that they seem to have handpicked these songs specifically for the moment and never with any thought of the movie having a particular unified sound or feeling or vibe at all. And it was just weird. It made a weird viewing experience. I want to see the cut of Cinderella where it's all like old 80s songs. I want to see Cinderella, but it's Rock of Ages. That's what I want to say. Anyway, that's what I have to say about Cinderella. Moving on to the German Hansen movie bingo card that I made with my huge mind and clever hands. What? Basically, the premise, I found a blank bingo card template on the internet and I filled in the 24 spaces with predictions I have for the German Hansen movie and I will fill it out when I watch it and we'll see if I got a bingo. Here are my predictions. I'm just gonna run through them. Some of them perhaps will require a little explanation. Number one, starting off strong, Connor is a real ghost. This is something that, this is kind of something I'm manifesting more than like a real prediction I have necessarily. Number two, more Jared. This again is just me trying to speak it into existence. Number three, Larry disappoints me. This can cover both Larry as a character doing something that disappoints me or what I more suspect will be the case is the writing for Larry to disappoint me. My specific thought is I feel as if he may be left with nothing to do given that they're cutting to break in a glove. I don't know what they're gonna do with his arc. I don't know if he's gonna keep I'm I don't know if he's gonna still have one. Next one any song being diegetic is a box. I want to go on record if you listen to my trailer reaction with my family. I'm not suspecting it's going to be freaking you will be found that will be diegetic. I'm thinking more like Requiem was written diegetically in the book. Diegetic, by the way, diegetic means that it is being sung in universe. Sorry. Uh, in the novel adaptation, Requiem is diegetic and I think only us is also a diegetic. So if anything, if I'm, I'm suspecting one of those two, probably. Next box is a scene with Alana and Zoe. I feel like they, they never talk to each other in the stage show. And you'd think they might talk to each other at some point, especially given that they're like making this conscious effort to expand Alana's character. Next one, more Evan crying. I just think they're going to find more opportunities. Next box is Alana finds out about the web of lies. I don't know. I just feel like it feels like a move that somebody might make, you know? Next box, too many close-ups. This is um, subjective, which is pro probably makes it bad to include, but I just, I just have a feeling. Next one, on-screen text. I'm also going to count this if like Twitter or something is presented on screen. And by on-screen text, I mean like that thing that TV shows do, like Scum does it all the time, where like a character will receive a text on their cell phone and they'll like it'll be a shot of them looking at their phone and then edited atop will be the text. It does appear that the text conversations between Jared and Evan at least in part are being adapted to just be them like speaking to each other in uh with their human mouths but I just I with this sort of movie there's gonna be some. Next box generic teacher character self-explanatory. Next box, new songs are good. There's going to be two new songs, um, one for Alana, one for C 
Connor, which is going to be extremely interesting. I predict that they will be good specifically in like musical quality. I don't know if I'm going to like conceptually enjoy them. Which brings us to our next box, which is Alana's arc is bad. They're making this whole thing about how they're expanding Alana's character. And I just feel, I just feel like there's a chance that it's not going to be good. Next box, Wake Scene, by which I mean... There's a scene in the novel adaptation where um, Evan goes to Connor's wake and he meets Mrs. G, the teacher who Connor threw a printer at in second grade. And there is a Mrs. G listed on the IMDb, or at least there was when I looked like a month ago. I'm not looking again. So we're either going to have that scene where he's at the wake and he sees her or our next box, we're going to have a flashback. Flashback is the next box. To be clear, I will not count the... um. When they show him climbing up the tree, I'm not going to count that as a flashback. Next box, Zoe spitefully calls Larry by his first name. I could just see it, like, Larry, you know? Next, they're going to name drop TikTok. That's the next box. In my mind, I see Jared saying it, but I'm not going to handcuff myself to that idea. Um, The next box is Alana doesn't wear one normal outfit. In one of the trailers, there's this shot of her in this outfit. She looks like she's in The Politician or something. It's like a like a little businesswoman outfit with like a ruffles on the sleeves or something weird. That's not normal. And I think she's going to dress like that the whole time. The next box is that Zoe will say the F word, which I don't say on my podcast. It's a family friendly podcast. Family friendly and school appropriate podcast. This movie is PG-13 and they're, that means they're allowed to say the F word one time. And I, I think in a what may be a bold move, I'm gonna bet that Zoe is gonna say it because, and here's my reasoning, you'd think it would be Connor because Connor, but Connor's not in it that much. And then you'd think it would be Evan because Evan's in it the most. But Evan really curses the least out of any of the student characters other than maybe Alana. So I don't think it's gonna go to Evan. It maybe would go to Jared, but I don't think they're gonna give it to him for a joke. Um, Because he cruises a lot in the stage show, but it's like, it's for comedy. I don't think it's going to be Alana. So I think it's going to be Zoe. The next box is Evan and Zoe have a date montage. Like they have a montage where they go on dates. I'm not excited about it. The next box is called No Mark. Mark is the name of Evan's father. I don't know if that's actually canon in the musical or anything. It's his name in the, in the novel. And Mark is actually also, in the novel, it's like specified that Evan is actually Evan's middle name and his his first name is Mark which is his father's name and he doesn't use it which I don't like because Mark Evan Hansen is too close to Mark Evan Jackson beloved actor and comedian Mark Evan Jackson anyway um I don't think I think Mark will obviously be talked about as he uh, there's no way to avoid it but um I don't think we're going to see or meet Mark next box jazz band scene I think we're gonna see the jazz band. This box was originally just called um, Zoe Plays Guitar on Screen, but then I looked up if Caitlin Deaver could play guitar, and she can, apparently. So I think that Zoe playing, playing guitar is now a given, and I think we're gonna see the jazz band. The next box is Evan and Zoe have... <coughs> Evan and Zoe have sex. Evan and Zoe have sex. I don't think it's gonna be like a sex scene, but I think there's going to be an implication. Next box, it's called, I, I wrote it down as No Dad Murphy, but his name is not Murphy, clearly, because Larry's name is Murphy, so he must have a different name. Unless Cynthia married two men who both had the surname Murphy. It's his brother. <laughs> I bet they're brothers. Um, I predict we will not 
meet, see, or probably hear about, I'm hoping we won't hear about, Connor and Zoe's father, ostensibly Zoe's father, could be, her father could be Larry. I think given the fact that A, I don't think this movie has enough time for that, and B, given that Connor and Zoe have the same surname as him. He has probably been around for a long time. I don't think it's like new stepdad or anything. I don't know. I just don't think we're gonna talk about their dad. Um, the last box, this is the last box, is called Connor Pushing Evan Down Makes Me Laugh. Uh, cause I think it'll make me laugh. <laughs> That's the end of the bingo card. I will post it. I'm, I'll post it on Twitter after I go see it. I'm gonna have to like not open Twitter because I won't be able to see it until the Saturday after it comes out. So I'm going to have to like not look at Twitter at all until I go see it. And then that'll be my first post. I do also want to briefly mention the statement that Ben Platt made like a couple of weeks ago about this movie. Where he said like this movie probably wouldn't have been made without me. And like the people who are criticizing me just don't understand that like I originally did, I originated the role. You can go read it on the internet. I just want to say because in my episode about him playing Evan and how he shouldn't be doing it, I know I said like I very much had nothing against him for taking a job that he was offered. And I still kind of think I don't really blame him for taking the money. But that statement made me very annoyed because he seemed to imply that given that because he originated the role on Broadway and workshopped it, that he somehow like deserves to have the role in the movie which I don't think is necessarily true especially in a case like this and I hope he knows that we all know that what he meant by this movie probably wouldn't have been made without me what he meant was if I wasn't in this show then my dad wouldn't have paid to make this movie I don't know it was worded in such an annoying way I don't want to talk about it for a long time also just get really annoyed the next section is I just want to briefly talk about Annette. I don't think I have enough time to talk about it for a long time. And if if you, if you, I were allowed to talk about it for a long time, I would just sit here confusedly babbling for like an hour because this was a weird movie. Um, I just want to say a couple of things. First of all, I felt legally required to watch this film because the baby is a puppet. And I was like, oh, I can't miss this. And I know that like the fact that she was a puppet has a meaning in the film because Adam Driver was like controlling her. But... I just thought it was cool. If any movie was going to do this, Annette was the perfect movie because it is so weird and like doesn't look right and it doesn't like reflect reality very much. It might be worth doing an episode about in the future, but it's kind of interesting how it has this sort of almost stage-like philosophy of um, not reflecting reality and not really attempting to do it realistically. But I, that's, I think that made the baby very perfect and cool the puppet baby anyway i just want to say the music in annette made me feel like um if any of you have watched the mole which is the best reality television program i've ever seen and that's ever been made there's an episode of the mole where one of the contestants has to sit in a room and listen to the same song for like six hours and they speed it up and they play it backwards and they play it forwards and they play it in different pitches but he just has to keep listening to it when i was watching annette i felt like that's what was happening to me the music was like so and it was really weird because the orchestration was really beautiful and like the music it very effectively set a tone and maintained that tone but the reason it maintained it so well is because it was so nothing interesting happened in a melody of a song in a net the whole time listen i don't want to 
I'm not going to make a general universal statement like that, but there were so many repeating lyrics and there were so many songs that just felt like the same four notes repeated. It made it difficult to watch. And I, I want to be clear. I have a pretty decent constitution for boring movies, particularly if they're artistic. I can usually bear it without issue. And I was interested in the speaking parts of Annette, but whenever a song came on, it just like, it put my brain to sleep. I became so violently bored that I was like, I it made me angry. It was just a really weird, um, it was a really weird failure in that sense. I will go, I do think the best song, uh, my favorite song was the, and I've only seen it once, but it was the song when Henry's on trial and he's like running around the courtroom and Anne's ghost is there. I don't even remember how it goes anymore, but I just remember watching it and that song was going and I was like, oh my God, this is like a normal song. It's like of a normal quality and like it's not just five sentences that have been repeated a thousand times. Anyway, overall, I do think it was a very interesting film, but the music I didn't really like. And I do think it's very possible that it had... um. It was just because it had a more operatic influence. I'm not familiar with that, but it occurred to me, especially because Anne is an opera singer, that might be sort of, it might be built on that. I don't know. And if it is, I I apologize to all of opera, but it's really boring to listen to. Anyway, I think that's the end. Thank you for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at BreakLakesPod or email me at BreakLakesPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you to Soap for my theme music. Thank you to Anchor for their hosting services. I will see everybody next time with a decompression episode about the Dear Evan Hansen <laughs> movies obviously the day i'm going to go see it will be the day that the episode normally would come out so it's gonna be a bit late i don't know when it's gonna come out maybe the next saturday maybe monday or something i don't know maybe it'll be eight parts spanning the rest of the year because i'll have so much to say about it anyway yeah everyone stay safe and i hope you have a wonderful day exclamation point heart emoji